So today, I want to share with you a word that I can tell you, I wrestled with it, you know, up, down, in, out, left, right, outside, inside, I wrestled with this, you know, because I really wanted to lay this as a foundation uh, for all of us um, as, we, as we start to plant a church, we start to pray, we start to become a church on the ground, we pray for people, we are expecting to see amazing things take place right amazing things take place so today i want to share with you about a miraculous church today we're going to be talking about the miraculous church we are in a series if you are new and visiting with us we are in a series where we think about and talk about and pray into what kind of church god wants us to be here on the ground in Sungai Bulo. What kind of church does God want us to be? It's not even what church we want ourselves to be because what we want uh, needs to come into alignment with what God wants. And so I believe the Lord wants us to be a miraculous church, a church of the miraculous, a church where, that understands what it means for God who parted the sea to come and break into our world and to be active and present in it. But I do have a few things I want to say before I launch full on into the, in, into the sermon. And, and it is this, frankly, my friends, Many of you, like we've got a room right now of 81 devices and 8 people here in, uh, on site, right? And out of all of us, all 89 of us here, whatever church background you come from, or maybe you didn't come from a church background, you have some kind of feeling. You have some kind of idea about signs, wonders, supernatural things and miracles. Either you come in here with a strong belief that this should happen, not just this should happen, this should happen all the time. This should happen all the time because King Jesus is on the throne. Either that or you come in from a background that says, this is very rare and this is seldom happening but each time it happens, we really savour it, you know, and, it, and because it's a miracle. A miracle is something that doesn't happen normally. Or maybe you come in from a different background altogether and you are afraid of the supernatural. Maybe all these things, you've had experiences as a child uh, um, and, and you, you just found this whole thing to be strange, uncomfortable, and, and you, are, you're, you are trying to, to find your way slowly. You, know? you understand that it's supposed to be real, but you are, it, it scares you. Or maybe you used to be a practitioner. Maybe your family you know, um, that got, got, got medium. La. You're, you're, you used to go to temple. La. You used to see all kinds of things. And, 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 and maybe that's your background. And it's like, ah, biasa lah. You know, normal. Everybody also do these things, right? Now, whatever background, ground you come from now that we are landing on the ground i want to share with you guys my heart and i'll share with you guys from the scriptures to see what the bible says and what the bible teaches us about how miracles work in relationship to god's people here on earth and so, before I even go further, I really just want to share this with you. You know, frankly, my, 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 dear, my dear friends, I, found, I find preaching about the miraculous quite possibly to be the hardest thing to preach about. Like, I would say it's the hardest thing to preach about. I think, I think 
preaching about the mystery of the Trinity is easier than preaching about the miraculous. I think, I, I, I think preaching about, uh, about end times is probably easier than preaching about the miraculous. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Among all of us here, we've all prayed. We've all prayed for someone we love to get well, to find healing, to be delivered from, 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 a, from a problem, to, to get a breakthrough in their life. And I can tell you this, out of the 100% of all our total prayers put together, how many of those prayers saw immediate, obvious, clear answers to them? I will say, in all honesty, not all. In all honesty, not all. And as Christians, I don't know what background you come from. Maybe you came from a background where preachers, pastors, or teachers, or maybe just the adults around you when you were growing up, maybe they overpromised on, on, on what kind of outcomes you're going to get when you pray, bang, it's going to immediately happen. And then when it didn't happen, you felt disappointed. And you started asking, God, why are you like that? God, how many of you guys have prayed and said, God, how come you, I'm not seeing the answer? How come I'm not seeing the breakthrough? How come I'm not seeing your hand move? I thought someone told me that when I pray, God will answer. How come it's not happening? Friends, today I want to take this bull by the horns and I want to get right into it. I don't want us to be a church that quietly go like, uh, not sure, not sure, you know. No, we're going to go right into it and understand how God, us and the miraculous really works. Or maybe some of you grew up with, with, with adults who maybe under-promised and told you that, no lah, God is very distant, He doesn't do these things anymore, you know, and, and, and all that. And, 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 and if that's you, and just to be able to ask and to hope for a response frightens you because you are so afraid of having your hopes dashed. Because if you feel that, do you all feel this sometimes, that you dare not ask in prayer? Because if you ask and then God doesn't answer the way you hope He will answer, that you're going to get crushed. And so, to prevent your own heart from feeling the disappointment, you don't even ask in the first place. Do any of you go through that? You don't have to say yes. But I believe that some of us, if not maybe even quite many of us, have gone through that journey of belief, and, and uncertainty and all of these things is like two ropes pulling, it's like one rope pulling in two different directions. And sometimes it's not easy to hold both ends together. That's what we're talking about today. But I, before I go even another step further, I want you to know that in the days to come, especially when we land on the ground, you're going to hear me pray for the sick. And when you're going to hear me pray about the atmosphere, you're going to hear me pray, uh, uh, and all of us, right, Pastor Ramesh included, all of our leaders included, you're going to hear us pray for breakthrough. And I can tell you this one thing. I absolutely believe that God is a God who is a healer. I have seen things in the midst of, of people in the sanctuary, in the stadiums, in the whatever. I have seen people who are, who are in wheelchairs get up and walk. At Malam Pentecostal in 2019, when we were in Kuching in a stadium rally, I literally looked across and I saw this little boy, this little boy, no more than seven, he might have been six or five. He was running around, like really running around, bam, 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 bam. He was running so much and his father and mother were the 
happiest people I've ever met. Like, they were like running and lifting him up, putting him down, and the kid was running everywhere. And I thought, wow, this, this family is very excited to be here in the stadium rally, you know? And, and I thought, the kid's getting a little bit like, you know, rowdy. He's like literally like, and so I thought, never mind, let me get to know them a bit. So I talked to them. I talked to them. And, and, and I found out, I found out that that boy was carried into the stadium. By the way, that day's event had not even started. It had not even started. They were sitting in the chairs. Okay, and, and the team, the prayer team, and, and, and our team from SIBKL was in charge of the prayer, of the prayer section, the healing bay, right? And so we were praying over all the chairs and praying for the people who were coming in. And then before one minute of the event was officially started, this boy who was carried in was now walking. I asked the family, actually, what happened to, to him? They told me that this boy has muscular dystrophy. Muscular dystrophy is when the muscles on your, on your body, especially in your legs, start to degenerate and deteriorate and such that the, there is no strength one. You know, and over time, uh, you will lose all your muscle mass. Over time, you won't be able to even get up and do anything. I think if you are from the 80s, you will know our great Malaysian football player, Mokhtar Dahari, uh, eventually had muscular dystrophy. And that's how, that's how he saw the remainder of his days, right? Uh, from such a powerful uh, centre forward, that's what happened to his body. Now, this little boy had muscular dystrophy. He couldn't walk. His father told me that even in his house, he, cannot take, he can take one step and then he'll fall to the floor. That's the most this boy can do. And he walked in. This family walked into an atmosphere of the mighty power of the living God. And because even before the event started, the Lord healed this boy and he was running around. That, then it made sense. Then I thought, oh, no wonder this family is A, so excited and B, the boy is running around uh, 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 so excitedly and so almost rowdily. And I was like, you know what, kid? Go run, man. Go run. you spend the rest of your days running. Why? Because King Jesus loves you and King Jesus has decided today he's going to touch your body and you're going to be healed. And this boy, this boy, that day, his whole life, game changer game-changing moment for him right there and then. So my friends, I have seen these things. There is no way, no way I can disbelieve. There is no way I can deny the things I have seen. I have seen demons leave humans before. Like literally, I've seen people rolling on the floor, their voice changes, their eyes roll back, they grow extraordinarily strong and then we, we, we pray for him, we declare the power of God over this guy and the demon leaves him and he lets out this shout like, ah! And then after that, he gets up, his voice has changed, his face totally becomes normal again, and then he can lift up his hands, he can praise God. Friends, I want you to know that the miraculous is absolutely real. Absolutely real. And in this church, in the days to come, including today, you're going to hear us pray. You're going to hear me, your pastor, pray for deliverance, for healing, for breakthrough. Like that. It's not like with no self-awareness. I'm just going to be praying with no self-awareness about the theology 
theology and all these things because today in this sermon, I want to deal with the theology and then when I pray, I'm just going to be telling God what I want. And whether He gives in that moment or whether He doesn't give in that moment but later or whether He has a different plan for us, I can tell you this, church, once I start praying, I'm not thinking about all that. I'm just thinking about how powerful my God is. And I'm just telling Him what I want to see with my limited knowledge, with my limited knowledge about God's total plan, I'm just going to tell God, God, I don't know what plan you have, but I know what I want to see. I want to see this kid set free. I want to see this man set free. And that is the best we can do. And today, I want to lead us all to pray like that. By the end of today's service, I hope that we can all pray like that. Amen? But first, because we come from such diverse places with regards to healing, signs, miracles, wonders, some disbelieving, some totally believing, some saying it should happen sometimes, some saying it should happen all the time. I want us to bring, to bring us all together so that as much as possible, we land on the same page, okay? Or land near the same page. So as a first time, first start, right? Let's land closer to one another by the end compared to at the start, okay? Church, you're ready? You're ready? So what is a miracle? What is a miracle? Well, let's look at what the miraculous actually is, right? We're going to take a look at this. It's in the slide, okay? The miraculous, I spent some time just thinking about all the different miracles in the Bible and so I've kind of loosely categorized it. It's not, it's not an exhaustive list. But the miraculous, we see the miraculous intervention in the natural world. Where have we seen this? When Moses and God parted the Red Sea, that's a miraculous intervention in nature. And in our own, some of us in our own lifetime, we have heard stories from Barrio and Bakalalan where you had like fireballs coming out at the night so that, and, and like, 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 like people, people see shafts of light. On one occasion, this group of girls went to Kalimantan from Sarawak, right? They went to Kalimantan to share the gospel to the villagers there and then their torchlights ran out of battery. And they were there as the dusk was setting and they gathered this group of girls and they prayed. And they said, God, Tuhan, bagi terang. Right? Probably, I don't know how what they pray. They probably pray, Tuhan, bagi terang, bagi cahaya, bawa kami balik rumah. Right? And then they prayed and God lit up the path. Literally lit up the path on the ground, okay, that led them through the jungle, out of the Kalimantan side village, to their Sarawak side village, and they walked in the light of God all the way home. Somebody gave Amen and praise to the Lord, right? Somebody praise the Lord. So God does the miraculous in intervening with the natural world sometimes. But what else does He do? We see the miraculous in His protection and in the spiritual battles we face. I just shared with you a spiritual battle story, but we see it in the Bible as well. Remember when King Hezekiah, right? His whole city of Jerusalem kepung by all of the armies of Assyria. 185,000 troops. And he cried out to the Lord, Lord, what's going to happen? He woke up the next morning, he looked out, they had all fallen outside because God sent His warring angels to destroy the enemy. And then those who survived fled and went back to Assyria. And then in, the, in Assyria, they ended up killing each other, right? Wow, that's miraculous. 
Hezekiah didn't even have to do a single thing other than, of course, pray, right? And trust in the Lord. Where else do we see the miraculous? In the miraculous provision that God gives. Remember Elisha and, uh, and the Shunammite woman, right? And the oil, right? Remember that, right? God provides. And we know even in our own lives, I'm sure some of you have been down to, the, you'll see your bank balance going down to double digits and you're like praying and saying, God, please help. God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week, this month, you know. It's just so much more time and I'm, and I'm broke. God, provide. And somehow the money comes. How many of you all know a testimony like that? Even in our own SIBKL folklore, you know, back in, back in uh, uh, 1998, we were looking for a building and then Section 19 building came about and, and, and we wanted to buy it. There was all kinds of stories and then in the end, a cheque came in for the exact amount that we needed to pay for the down payment, you know, for the Section 19 building. Is God not good? Does He not show His miraculous hand through intervening with, the nat- with nature, with protecting us, with providing for us? And of course, healing. Of course, we know the Bible has stories about the raising of, of people from dead. Jairus' daughter, so many others, Eutychus fell from so high, you know, and was raised back alive. And of course, Jesus Christ raised up from the dead after three days in the tomb. And of course, we see the miraculous in spiritual experience. It's a totally different thing, like Pentecost, right? Hey, that's a spiritual experience, man. Like you gather to pray, suddenly everyone breaks out in tongues. We've seen it happen around us. If you read stories of the revivals, you will see all these things take place. And my friends, all of these that I've just shown you are maybe stuff that you would normally say, yeah, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. But there is one more miracle, the overcoming of the human heart. That sometimes we say that, oh yeah, this one is, you know, no, it's a miracle. It's absolutely, absolutely a miracle. You know, my friends, when the Apostle Saul, Paul, before that was a, was a rabbi who was persecuting Jew, uh, Christians, and then his heart changes. Is that not a miracle? And every day today, when you see people, ordinary Christians, being able to overcome grief in order to praise God, being able to overcome uh, uh, oppression to praise God. Last week or the weeks prior, I was, I've been sharing with you the power of some of the persecuted Christians to be able to rise up in the midst of, of being persecuted and to say, whether I die or don't die, I'm going to praise my God. Is that not a miracle that God does inside our hearts? It is, absolutely is. And so, I've taken a lot of time to set the scene. I want to show you three points, three things about the miraculous. Oh, before that, before that. Oh, no, 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 let's do this, let's do this, just quickly. You know, I think sometimes we think about about miracles like this. We think that we occupy this natural world, like we're all down here, we're all these normal natural people, and then God is far away, and He's up there. And every once in a while, He will come and and then He goes back up again, you know, and every occasionally. He will come in, intervene with something, and then disappear back up again to again be a distant, faraway God. This is not Christian thinking, okay? Maybe in your previous uh, background, uh, this is not biblical thinking, right? God is so involved in the everyday life. So let's look at the next slide. This is what it actually is. God's 
presence and our realities are always overlapped together. If it's a physical problem, there's the spiritual problem overlapped with it. If there is a spiritual thing happening, then there is a physical manifestation of it also happening. And the important thing to know is that God is always present and active. He is always present and active, meaning He's always involved in everything we do. I mean, think about it. The Bible says that, that um, uh, God feeds the birds of the air, right? He says, don't worry because don't I even feed the birds of the air. But you know how the birds feed, right? Birds feed by mother bird picking up worms and then the baby bird's going like, ah, 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 and then the mother bird drops the worm into their mouth. So, who feeds the birds? Is it mother birds feeding the birds? Or the Bible says, God feeds the birds. Who feeds the birds? Both the mother bird and God feeds the birds. So it's not one or the other. God is always present and active in all our physical, natural realities. And with that, three points. Three points. The miraculous announces the kingdom of God. Everybody say this with me. Number one, the miraculous announces God's kingdom. Number two, the miraculous points us to Jesus. Say, points us to Jesus. And number three, the miraculous transcends our formulas, meaning it is bigger, it is better, it goes beyond our formula. There's no formula that track that can predict the miraculous of God. But let's get into the first one. The miraculous announces God's kingdom. You know, my friends, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago to walk on this earth, He was announcing that a new way of life has started. He was announcing that the King has come. God has become King. He's walking here on earth and His crowning moment, His coronation is on the cross. And we all thought it would be grand with like a crown full of jewels. His coronation was with the crown of suffering, the crown of thorns, right? And along the way to His coronation, He was announcing to His people that the new order has broken in. Because the king is here, the king shall reign and rule from now onwards. Now you're seeing things change. And so, God has always been active and present, but now that the king has come, you're going to see some activity and some presence that's going to look even more extraordinary because the king has come. And so, the miraculous works that you see is an announcement it's a proclamation that God's kingdom has arrived. It started 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. Angel, you know, showed up in, 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 to, to the shepherds. And went on, everything has been breaking in of the kingdom day by day, year by year, century upon two millennia already. And we're going to see it take place even more. And I want to show you this because on one occasion, Jesus was performing miracles. And his, and his religious adversaries, all his rivals, the, the, the rabbis of the day, the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the Pharisees, and all these guys who, who felt threatened by Jesus, started to accuse Jesus, saying that, whoa, whoa, you're doing all these things? Where do you get your power from? And they don't understand where he gets his power from. So they say, it must be from Satan. So let's look at the slide. Let's look at the text, right? 
the people in the crowd start saying, oh, his power must be, must be dark powers. This one, Jahat fellow, you know, he casts out demons by Beelzebul. That is, in that area, the prince of demons, the name of the prince of demons um, that they give in that area. And Jesus says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by who do your sons cast them out? Actually, in reality, I think that's a, that, that's a, that, that's a question that has no answer because I'm not sure if, the, if they are casting out demons. If they are casting out demons, um, well, the Bible is silent on that. But they were all astounded by the power of Jesus to cast out demons. So that's a clue that actually even among the Jewish leaders of their day, all these things was not happening. And then he says this, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then what? The kingdom of God has come upon you. It means that if I am the hand, finger of God casting out all these demons, it means that a new kingdom has come. It means that a new rule, a new order, a new government has come. And the head of government now is Jesus. Spiritual government now in place. Now, and you know what? His wording, he says, the finger of God. If you know your Old Testament, immediately you remember Pharaoh's magicians in Exodus 8. They were the ones who say, wow, like the Pharaoh, God did this uh, a miracle through Moses and then the magicians copied. And then the second sign and then they copied. And when the third sign came, they cannot copy. They say, wow, this one we really cannot. This is the finger of God. Right, this is the finger of God. And when Jesus says this, Jesus is essentially saying that there is the kingdom, reminding them that the kingdom of Pharaoh, the kingdom of the earthly kings, the earthly gods and earthly kings, all that is passing away. Why? Because even then, they acknowledge Yahweh, His finger, creates miracles that nobody can stand. So today, I'm showing you the same finger that you saw, that the Pharaoh's magicians saw, like how many thousands of years ago, that same finger of God is working miracles today. Don't end up on the wrong side of the kingdom. Don't end up in Pharaoh's kingdom, talking like Pharaoh's magicians. Don't stand on this side. That's why my, that's why my friends, your loyalty to Jesus, not just your mental activity, but your loyalty to Jesus is so important. Your allegiance to Jesus is so important. And this is what it means. Let's look at Matthew 11. Jesus and John the Baptist have a bit of a correspondence, right? No WhatsApp, but John the Baptist sends a message to Jesus. He's in prison and he says, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Jesus says, Go, tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And all of this first five refer to physical miracles, healing miracles, right? All of the first five refer to the things you would normally say these are healings. But one more manifestation of the kingdom, the poor have good news preached to them. My friends, when have the poor received good news? Poor people, every news is bad news, my friends. Every letter in the, in the mailbox is a bill and that is bad news. What must happen for the poor to receive good news? It means good news must come. Good news must finally come. And that is part of the new order, the new kingdom. And you know what else? For good people to go and preach news to the poor. For people, you know normally people sideline the poor. We forget the poor. We oppress the poor. We use them. We suck out all the resource we can from them, right? Like without God, that's how we will all be. Thank God we're safe and we're not like that. You know what? 
For people to go to the poor and share good news to them, it means that our hearts are being transformed. And that too is miraculous. And so my friends, whenever you see miraculous things taking place around you, when you do see it, and I'm not just talking about you know, fireballs. I'm just, not just talking about sick people being healed. I'm also talking about the miracle of your heart being transformed. I'm also talking about the miracle of you, once upon a time, super impatient and angry, you know, and then one day you realize that the Holy Spirit has grown the patience and self-control and loving kindness and gentleness in your heart. And you say, how? Who did this? I used to get so angry. I used to bang table. I used to shout and raise my voice and all the four-letter words will come out. Who changed my heart? Is that a miracle? Absolutely yes. It's the miracle of the Holy Spirit changing our hearts. That's poor having good news preached to them. That the quick to anger have the good news that the Holy Spirit can change your heart. That's good news. You know, so my friends, every time you see a manifestation of the miraculous, why does God give that to us? He gives it to us to show us that the kingdom is breaking in. There is a new way of living, right? There is a new way of living. Let's look at the next slide. This is what the world looks like when Jesus is in charge. That's what all these miracles are meant to say. The world now looks different. The way the world works is different. Maybe even 80, 85, 90% still feels the same. But you know what? The 10% that's different, the 15% that's different is the one that is decisive and most important. Now that the king has broken into our world, nothing is really the same again. There is a new power on the throne. The old king has been dethroned. Pharaoh has been dethroned. Satan has been dethroned. And now Jesus is on the throne and he is using all of us Christians to be his agents of change in the world. And then some of you will say, Pastor Fergus, I love miracles. I love miracles so much. I want to see miracles all the time. I can live and breathe and drink miracles, siang malam, all day, all night, I can. I want to share this with you because I think it's very important that we get our heads correct about miracles. Miracles are like product samples for eternity with Jesus. Let's look at the next slide. I tell you this, I, oh, not yet, right? Oh, that's the point to Jesus one, okay? Okay, hang on to that point. Before we get, move on, I want to say this. Miracles are like product samples for our eternity with Jesus. You go to the mall, there's a product sample, this little cup, okay? This little cup of yogurt or this little uh, 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 um, sample of a, of a beauty product, you know? Um, my personal favourite, yes, my personal favourite is walking in Mid Valley to Bi Cheng Hyang and then get their bak kwa, which is on the little toothpick. Guys, that's my favorite. And in the days before I was a redeemed, a fully more redeemed Christian, I go one time to Mid Valley. Very, very you know? I walk and then I go in and then I look like I'm an interested buyer. And then they will give me one and then I'll take and then I eat it and then I walk out. And then later, so thick skin, I come back again and I take another one. You know what, my friends? My friends, by the way.
your pastor don't do that anymore. In his 20s, in his early 20s, he was such a cheapskate, right? Don't do that anymore. Thank God, right? Um, but you know what? A product sample is there for you to taste and see that it's good. And then you taste ready, then you say, then you don't want to buy law, right? But if you taste and you say, wow, so good, so good. This is so good, I want the real thing. Because this is just a sample, ma. I want the real thing. And then you stand across the counter and you say, give me 500 grams of that, right? That's how product samples work. My friends, Bi Ching Yang doesn't exist to sell you product sample. Product sample, they cut so small, it's just for you to taste a small, small experience of the real thing. Miracles are exactly like that. God, out of His grace, gives us product samples. He gives us miracles for us to get a little taste, a little taste of what the end goal is. What's the end goal? Eternity with Jesus is going to be the real thing. Unlimited amount forever of the final product, the real thing, right? So friends, as much as you can enjoy the miracles you see, as much as you can give God thanks for the miracles you see, Always remember that these things are only the sign. The in the the the, the, the you go to Ipo, the sign button, right? It's only the sign pointing you forward, encouraging you. Say, come on, come on, come on, don't stop, don't stop, encouraging you forward. And I know in if you're going to Ipo from KL, there's one there's a massive sign there's a massive huge left arrow that says Ipo here it's like you can't miss that right you can't miss that and in the same way God gives smaller signs and then sometimes he gives really huge ones and the smaller ones sometimes he gives because he knows that you are in an area that you can be attentive and you can see it and those signs are enough it's like sometimes, some, sometimes your product sample is very small. You taste a little bit gao liao. You, you are sold. And then sometimes he gives you that super huge Ipo sign, right? Somebody is saved, miraculously healed from cancer. Somebody is delivered from, from satanic powers. And you saw it like that boy with muscular dystrophy. That's like my version of the Ipo sign, man. Like I see that sign. I cannot, I cannot end up in the wrong place. There's no way I can end up in the wrong place after seeing that sign. Same for you. Some of the signs you see will be small. Some of the signs you see will be like on your, on your ways, you know. It's like, wow, that was so small, right? Sometimes, you know. And then you will have bigger ones. Whichever it is. All these things are not the angle. You don't go and camp out under the Ipo sign and take pictures and say, I have reached Ipo. You know, you haven't reached Ipo. That's just a sign uh, uh, encouraging you forward uh, and turn left if you want to get there. Miracles are exactly like that. So let's just jump back a little bit, you know, uh, because the first point that I really wanted to share with you um, was that miracle, the miraculous announce the kingdom of God, right? Miraculous things announce the kingdom of God. But the second one is this, that the miraculous things point us to Jesus. They do, they do, they really point us to Jesus. They are not the end goal in themselves. They're not that you don't sit in your miracle and say this is the best thing in the world. The miracle is a foretaste of the best thing in the world. You taste this, you want the best thing in the world. Amen? Amen? Let's look at the Bible verse. Remember there were 10 lepers, 10 guys with leprosy, right? And all of them were crying out from the distance saying, Jesus, 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 Master, 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 have pity on us. 
And then Jesus from a distance, because lepers don't come close to each other. When Jesus from a distance says, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, as they walked, their bodies were cleansed, or their leprosy left them. And as their leprosy left them, nine of them said, Huh, yay, yay, cool, we win, yay. And then they just walked on. And those guys are like the fellow who saw the evil sign turn left. It's like, oh, what a nice looking sign. Wow, look at the green color, so lang. This is my favorite green. And the font is so bold, so big, so beautiful, so white, so clear. And then they admire the sign. And then they drive right. And they end up in Kuantan. My friends, only one of them saw his leprosy go off. And he said, this is a sign. This is a, it's telling me something. It's telling me that, that, that Jesus, whom I call master, he's the real deal. Oh my gosh, I just simply say it. Right? I say, I say, la, I say, la, with, some, with faith, I say. But now I know that what I was saying was real, like really real. And so he turns around, one out of nine, one out of ten, turns around, goes to Jesus, falls on the ground, throws himself at Jesus' feet, and says, Thank you. He says, Thank you. And on that day, saving allegiance came into his heart. Saving faith and saving allegiance in Jesus Christ came into his heart. And this one guy, the sign pointed him to the Saviour. And for the, other, for the others, the sign, they can only celebrate the sign and then they continue moving in their own way. So my friends, which are we in Sunai Bulo Church? Are we just going to enjoy the... the are, are signs just there to make us enjoy give us a better quality of life is jesus dishing out uh, miracles just so that our quality standard of living can become better no that's why it's called a sign it's called a sign because it's there to point you to something greater that lies ahead and the greater thing is that he's along the way sometimes our quality of life does improve but for what not just for our enjoyment he gives it to us so that we can say i want this jesus i want the real guy himself and that's why we are walking the way we are walking let's move on let's move on in john chapter 4 it says unless you see signs and wonders you will not believe you know on this slide i want to share this with you jesus even though he committed so many miracles he was always on this kind of like he was always a little bit one to do and then careful also about if he do, sometimes people take it the wrong way. So in John 4, he tells this man, this, this officer whose son is sick, he tells this officer, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. In other words, you need to see a sign and wonder. You, not, and not, I'm not saying for everybody, I'm saying you. If you see a sign and wonder, you believe. And so he heals the son. And this man believed. And then on a different occasion, all of Jesus' rivals and, and, and adversaries started questioning him and say, show me a sign lah. If you're real, if you're real, you sh show lah. Show something. Let us see. Right? Treating him like a show pony. Right? Treating him like a circus act. 
and you think Jesus is going to, oh, you don't believe, uh, come, I show you, boom. You think Jesus is going to do that? Jesus never, never played into the hands of people who baited him to show, prove to me, show. He never. In those occasions, he held back the miraculous. And he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. No sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah is, I'll go into the tomb on the third day, I'll be raised back to life. You wait for that sign. I'll show you that sign. So my friends, does Jesus always dispense miracles? Not always. Sometimes He does, and when He does, it's by grace. Sometimes He doesn't. And when He doesn't, we should not be in this posture like, I feel entitled to my sign. God, how come you don't? Ah? Wow, oh, you lousy, you don't love me, is it? Right? That's to feel entitled. Like, I deserve my sign. I want my miracle now. Right? And you know what? I want to be gentle with all of us on this. I think sometimes we have read a book here, we have heard some preacher from somewhere say this, we've been taught by someone that God always gives because He loves you, He will give you everything. everything you, whatever you want, you give. But if you're a parent, you will know, mm, we don't give our children everything they want because some of the things they want is not good for them. Some of the things they want is not age-appropriate for them. And so I will give, but not now. Some of the things they want, we want them to work for it, you know, because and wait for it because the process refines them and makes them better. We know that as parents. And you know this, God does not dish out things like a grandfather. You know, grandparents love to dote on their children, right? Everything also give, right? Everything also give. Mother, father say, mom, dad, don't, right? They still give, right? <laughs> I love grandparents. You love the heart of a grandparent. But our God is not. We don't have grandfather, grandfather God. We have Father God. And Father God wants every single one of us to go on a journey. And so He doesn't just dish things out, um, uh, out of excess. So maybe you heard from someone before that, oh, God is going to heal every single person. God does not always heal every single person. In fact, He rarely does heal every single person. In John chapter 5, Jesus meets a man, uh, a paralytic man at the pool of Bethesda. And around that pool was full of people who were sick. Jesus healed that one man. And we take that and we say, see, He heals everybody. Actually, there were so many other people there that on that day, He didn't touch. Now, we don't know whether the rest of those people uh, on a different day were touched by Jesus. We don't know, right? God, John himself says that there's so many stories, I can't tell them all. But we know that not all, every time he heals every single person. So, my friends, as we step into being a church who can operate in the miraculous, we must hold it in tension. God does heal. Yes, absolutely. Does he do it all the time? Not the way we expect it. Not the way we expect it. And so if we've been taught in the, to, to expect, over-expect, you know, uh, maybe someone has over-promised how much and how quickly and how lavishly God is just going to give everything we ask, then what's going to happen? I want to show you this. I want to show you. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's move to the next slide because I want to show you this. There is no formula one, you know. Sometimes we may have heard someone say that, oh, if you have faith, God will heal. If you have faith, God will heal. And then we know that there are some people who pray and then they don't get their healing. So how? If you pray and you don't get your healing, only two possibilities. One is, I can have faith and sometimes still God doesn't heal. 
at least doesn't heal the way I expect it. Or the alternative is, faith not enough. You need to have more faith. Oh, you know why your, 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 your so-and-so passed away? You didn't have enough faith. Wow, You know, my friends, I don't say this lightly. Some of you, every day, you live with that guilt trip. Maybe someone has told you that before. You know, you didn't pray enough. You didn't fast hard enough. You didn't read your Bible enough. That's why so-and-so did not get their healing. Is that how our God works? Now, don't get me wrong. Faith does come into play. Jesus does say over some people that because, because you have faith, you were healed. He does say that. But he says elsewhere, how much faith does Jesus expect of you? He says, at least on one occasion, what's that? How much faith? Mustard seed. Mustard seed. Which he says at that time, he said, this is the smallest seed that you know of. This mustard seed, if you have faith as small as this mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved. Now, obviously, he's not speaking literally because no Christian has ever, like, you know, thrown mountains into, into... He's saying that mustard seed so small will grow into one of the largest trees out there. He's saying that if your faith starts small, gao liao. Faith starts small, gao liao. Faith has potential for growth, meaning you're not stifling your faith. Small faith, but you are prepared to let it grow. Can grow? Yes, can grow. Sow into the right place? Yes, sown into the right place. Watered? Yes, I do my best. That kind of faith can move mountains. Why? Because he doesn't, he, he doesn't go to you at the place of your grief and say, maybe you didn't read your Bible more. Maybe if you fast and pray for one more week, maybe you need to do more. He does not say that. He says that your faith just needs to be the size of a mustard seed and the potential of a mustard seed. Small but can grow. Enough. So, my friends, if there is any one of you, you feel like you dare not touch this whole thing because you've been burned before, or maybe you feel like a sense of guilt someone said to you before, or you feel, even nobody say also you feel it, like, maybe I just don't have enough faith and you feel really bad about it. You feel you're defective. You feel that there's something wrong. I'm not a good enough Christian. I want you to know that Jesus says, all you need is a little bit and there is no formula. So maybe someone has told you before that if you do A, B, C, D equals miracles. Do this, do this, plus this, plus this, add this thing equals breakthrough. And then these days, you, you read websites one, once in a while, you will see six ways to attract the favour of God. You know, articles like that. You'll see it all the time, right? I see these things all the time. Yeah. Four, four fail-proof ways to attract the generosity, generous favour of God. Hey, hello. There's no formula to God. Lah. There's no formula to God. One. He is God. God is God. He is not tame. He's good, but He's not tame. We can't box him in and turn him into a manual where we can say if you re replicate steps A to Q, you know, you're going to get this outcome. God does not work that way. He will not be mocked. He will not be boxed. God is God. When he acts, he acts. Sometimes he acts in ways that we manage to predict. Other times he will act in ways that totally confound our predictions. And he's still God. 
I want to show you this. Next slide. If you look at Acts chapter 12, you will see that Acts chapter 12 opens with James, the apostle, being arrested by King Herod, imprisoned, and then executed. His ministry was cut short early. And you read the whole middle part until near the end of, the, of chapter 12. Same chapter. Same chapter. James's colleague, Peter, also arrested, also imprisoned. But then, miraculous escape. God came, broke open everything, brought him out to safety. And he went on to have a long, influential, apostolic career. You think James's family didn't pray for him? You think Peter's, Peter's followers uh, or his church was the only one that prayed for him? You think the church did not pray for both of them? Of course they would have. Of course they would have. Then how come I pray and one apostle die? I pray and then another fellow see breakthrough? How do you think James's family feels about Acts chapter 12? There was a question that was posed to me as I, was what, as I was researching for this last night. How would James's family feel about Acts chapter 12? That their, their son died, but then his friend lives. So my friends, there is no formula for God and His miracles. But we still pray. We still pray because we've seen things that we cannot deny. So we still pray. Let's look at the next slide. Gosh, this is the hardest one. Really, frankly, my friends, this is the hardest one. Sometimes you might say that the environment needs to be full of faith before God can do miracles. And most of the time, we draw that from Matthew chapter 13, where, where the crowd saw Jesus and said, Huh? This fella, don't we know his family? Didn't he grow up? I saw you when you were such a little boy. You are just the fella, la, normal fella. La. I know your mother, I know your father, I know your brothers, I know your sisters. Why are you so clever? Why are you suddenly so clever? And they took offence with him, verse 57. And Jesus said, a prophet has no honour in his own town, no honour in his own hometown. And then he could not do miracles there because of what? Collectively, they lacked faith. So from Matthew 13, sometimes we say that if there is no, if, if there is unbelief, God can't work. Actually, the reality is, in this case, because there was unbelief, God would not work. He would not work there. But then, sometimes does it happen in the reverse? Yes. You look at Matthew 11. Jesus is scolding two cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If all the miracles that were done in you was done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. In other words, I did so many miracles in you and you still didn't repent. And then he brings in a third city and Capernaum. Woe to you as well because I did so many miracles in you as well and still you don't believe, right? And so what does it mean? Wow, this is challenging. Whoa. Dude, this is, this is new. I thought from Matthew 13, if the whole environment, no faith, Jesus won't even do any miracles. But then in Matthew 11, these three cities, super no faith. Nobody repent. They are like the sign. All of them in Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum see the Epo signboard and drive to the right. That's them. They saw the signs. They didn't believe. Was there faith? No. Was there miracles? 
Wow! So you see a situation where there are no miracles because of unbelief. And sometimes there are lots of miracles in spite of unbelief. Is Pastor Fergus saying, it's okay, you can get away with some unbelief? Of course not. Of course not. Don't disbelieve. Believe. If, if Matthew 11 happens, God is showing grace. Uh, he's showing grace. He's so kind to you that in spite of your lack of faith, He still shows miracles. Uh. But does that say, oh, I got lesson to, to disbelief? No! There is no lesson to disbelief. You want to disbelieve, you keep driving, you won't end up where, 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 where God wants to point you to. And sometimes we think that, oh, it's God's loss. I'm so angry with Him for whatever reason, I don't want you anymore. It's your loss that you don't have my clientele. As if it's His loss. But how it's the other way around. It, when in spite, we just go away from God, it is to our loss. We just don't realise it. So I want to ask us right now, as we close, what kind of church? How shall we be a miraculous church? How shall we step into the expectation for the supernatural, the expectation that God can. At the same time, with two feet on the ground to know that God is God, there is no formula. We can't press a series of buttons on a machine and hope that the vending machine gives you healing from cancer. God does not work that way. So but we must still hope. We must still pray. So I share with you, my friends. I believe and I want all of us in Sunai Bulo Church to have an atmosphere of faith. To have an atmosphere that believes and knows that Jesus can. Can He? Yes, He can. Will He? We trust Him. Let me say that again. Can He? Does He have the ability to? Can He? Yes, He can. If the Word that created the whole universe, can He heal cancer? Can He give me breakthrough? Yes, He can. Will He? We trust Him better. We trust Him better. We trust Him to know when and how. And so what can we do, my friends? Why you say until like that, I don't know what to do. I still don't know what to do, Pastor. I still don't know what to do. Let me tell you how I do it. I know He can. I have faith He can. That's settled. Because I've seen it before. And I trust Him. I've been walking with Him for 19 years in my life now. No, more than 19 years. 2002, I've been walking with Him for 20 years now, 21 years now. I know He can. That's not even in question. Will He? Right now, the way I'm asking for it, I don't know. And I feel that's the only way we can let God be God is to say, I don't know how he's going to answer. But I know he is good. I know he is good. I'm convinced he is good. And so I let God work the way God will work. But I will tell him what I hope to see. And so I tell him what I hope to see one, you know. I tell him all the time. I have no shame in telling him what I hope to see one. The only difference is, I don't expect him to take up on my suggestions if he has a better idea. Does that make sense? If God has a better idea, I don't expect him to change his mind and pick up on my idea. But 
because I don't know his mind, his full mind and what he wants, I will be shameless in telling him what I want to see. Absolutely shameless. So my friends, right now, I'm going to pray for all of you guys looking for a breakthrough. Is there a breakthrough in healing that you are looking for? I want you in your own, in your own house to just flip your hands open into a posture of receiving. Just do that. You can even do it off screen, right? So that nobody can see. Just open up your hands and say, God, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm waiting for breakthrough. If you are looking for healing, for your own body, and if you can reach, I want you to put your hand in the part of your body that, that needs healing. If you, if, you have a, if you have a head situation, I just want to get you to just put your, head, your hand at the back of your head. Or if you have a shoulder muscular thing, right? If you have a breathing problem, whatever, just put your hand there. Will God, will God act the way we ask Him? We are going to trust Him to know better. And I'm going to pray with you in a moment right now. Can church, if there is a breakthrough, if there's a financial breakthrough, I want you to just put your hand on your head where your pocket is in, as, as, a, as a prophetic way of saying, God, I, I, I know you see my pocket kosong already, right? That's your way of saying it, okay? Church, we're going to pray. I'm going to show you how I pray. Okay, I'm going to role model to you how we do this. Come, let's pray. Father in heaven, Father, you say that you are the rock who is our healer, our saviour, our king and our God. Lord, you are the one who parted the sea so that your people can leave slavery in Egypt and find a land, a home for them to belong to. Father, you are the God who turned everything upside down to bring your people to find a home. You are the God who dried up a river so that your people can pass across. You are the God who did one miracle after another. When your prophets entered the den of lions, you stopped their mouths. As if lions can have their mouths stopped, you stop their mouth. This is our God. God. This is our God. And today, I want to tell my cancer, I want to tell my headache, I want to tell my financial situation, I want to tell my marital problem, I want to tell all of these things. My God is bigger than you. My God is stronger than you. My God is more mighty than you. I want to tell the, the idols in my, in, in, in my factory or in my house or in my family's house that my God is bigger than you and His love endures forever. His love never fails. It never runs out. It never runs out. Hallelujah. And I want to say to every single mountain that stands before me, if King Jesus wants to move you, He can move you in a flash. He can move you just like that. Church, don't tell God how big your mountain is. Tell your mountain how big your God is. That's what we're doing right now. So in the name of Jesus Christ, every sickness, I command you, get out right now. In the name of Christ. Every sickness in the name of Jesus Christ, leave right now. Migraine, leave right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Sickness, cancer, recede right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Blood clot, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Skin disease, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Demonic oppression, leave right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I have no questions whether God is powerful enough. I know my God is able. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come bearing the command to push out darkness in the name of Jesus. 
And I'm not even thinking right now, my friends, I'm not even thinking about, about whether he will or whether he won't. I'm not even thinking about how he's going to do it today, tomorrow, or next week, or in five years. I'm not thinking about all that because I only know this is what I want to see, but I'm going to trust him. So I want to see satanic powers fall, asking for satanic powers to fall. Fall right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to see people healed from sickness. I don't know when it will come, and I'm not going to spend my time wondering when it will come. I just know I want to see it happen and my God is able. So sickness, go in the name of Jesus Christ. So right now, church, I want us all to just stand firm and stand together right now. God is our majesty. God is our king. And unto Jesus be all glory, power and praise. Oh Lord God, every single one of us, our hearts completely given over to Jesus. Our loyalty is completely on Jesus' side. We declare today, Lord God, that we let you, God, be God. We will not try to twist your arm. We will not try to, to, to make promises about how you're going to act when we don't actually understand or know. But one thing we know, one thing we know, your love never fails. Your love never gives up. Your love never runs out. Jesus who died, now glorified, is the King above all kings. So Father, I want to pray for every single one of us. Father, I pray that those of us who are due and about to see a breakthrough, Father, I pray, Lord God, for this breakthrough to come and for this breakthrough to draw their hearts to Jesus. Father, I pray that no miracle will draw our hearts away from Jesus. I pray that no miracle will, 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 will seduce our hearts towards just wanting more nice things. But, uh, but the miracles we see, if we do see them, thank you, God. Let it turn our eyes to Jesus. And for those of us for whom you have appointed a different outcome, a more patient outcome, for those of us for whom you have appointed an outcome of endurance, an outcome of waiting, an outcome of travailing, an outcome of more years of waiting and hanging on you, just like the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his side and his prayers all unanswered for that thorn to be removed. If you have appointed that kind of walk for us, we pray that that walk will lead us closer to you, not further from you. We pray, Lord God, that whatever outcome you appoint for us, that both those with much miracles and those with less, those with much supernatural or those with less, that both and all of us in this family of God, that either path will lead us all home to be closer to Jesus than otherwise. So Father, we thank you. And we pray, Lord God, that your hand will move in this church. And I pray, Lord God, that when people walk in through these doors, that many lives will be saved, many sick will be healed, that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak, but also, also that the poor will have good news preached to them. So Father, we thank you that this is not a binary thing. This is not one or the other. But we will be a church that sees the manifestation of both. So Father, we thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious toward you. 
May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people, shout aloud, Amen.